Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. Today I'm going to be joined by Thomas Stapleton from the tip-off. It's been a while. Uh, we just filmed an episode, recorded an episode over an hour on his um, channel. Go make sure to check that out. Uh, kind of had a few arguments there. Uh, maybe more than a few. Got a little bit heated. Yeah, I was heated for most of the thing. But uh, yeah, in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the biggest steal, reach, bust, risk, and the best and worst trade of the NBA draft. And we're going to do like some finalists. So we each name like our three finalists and then like who the biggest bust uh, steal, reach, you know, risk, all of that. I think we might only name two busts, but that's debatable. And then the best and worst trade of the NBA draft. Then, since he's a Thunder fan, I'm going to ask him how he thought about each one of his picks and overall about his draft, uh, how the Thunder did. And then he's going to ask me about uh, how, the, how the Boston Celtics did in the NBA draft. So first, we are going to get to the biggest steal, reach, bust, risk, and the best and worst trade of the 2019 NBA draft. All right, so first, we are going to basically do... So basically, again, I explained it. So you'll see what we mean. So first, we're going to start with the steal. So basically, we choose, like, a finalist, another finalist, and then our official steal of the draft. So, like, we name the biggest steal of the draft and, like, our two runner-ups, essentially. So my, uh, you know, first finalist, basically the third biggest steal of the draft. I chose power forward Brandon Clark. He's the 21st pick of the Memphis Grizzlies. I wrote, Brandon Clark is one of my favorite prospects in this draft. He's a great athlete and an offensive beast with a very high motor and a very very good offensive game inside the paint. So for him to fall to 21 is considered a steal. I think almost everyone agrees that he's a steal, and some people may not think he's worthy of a top three spot, though. Maybe it's a little biased for me, but nonetheless, I believe he's worthy of the spot. I think most people believe he's top three, but some people maybe believe he's four or five. It may be a little biased for me because I love Brandon Clark, but I think 21's worthy of the steal. I think he's the third biggest steal of the draft. Uh, what do you think, Thomas? All right, for steals. Who's um, your finalist? One of your finalists. All right, one of my finalists. Uh, this this is tough because there's so many players that I. Oh like. yeah, so many, so many good options here. Personally, from this draft, but um, one of them that I gotta go with, and this is this this may be a little bit, uh, a little bit biased because we'll I love him, Keldon Johnson from this. Oh draft. yeah, I, he was one of my best options too. Love him. I think he's a really humble, hardworking guy. He'll be a great fit with the Spurs, mm -hmm. and because he's so humble and hardworking. The Spurs will work with him, and it'll all pay Spurs off. Spurs kind of had a good draft. Think about it. Low, they got Kelvin Johnson. Lucas Samanich is was a, a little bit of a reach, but not too bad, and he's a very good fit. Yeah, and I just I think he's gonna be a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid pro. I'm nothing like another Luca that I know, um, mm -hmm. but you know I think I think it'll be a solid think pick. I and I thought too. the Spurs had a good draft considering they had the 19th and the 29th. Yes, which nothing great comes yeah. out comes re, comes but out. Kelvin Johnson. You know, overall, some people thought he was a lottery pick just due to his work ethic. Skill-wise, he's around a late first-round pick, but he's yeah. so humble. His heart, his work ethic, you just got to have respect for him. Uh, he's definitely one of them, but I had Brandon Clark uh, over him. My second finalist, basically the runner-up to the seal of the draft, I had to go with center Bull Bull, pick 44 to the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he was technically the Miami Heat, but he was traded, kind of like Brandon Clark was traded from the Thunder. And I wrote, some people believe Bull Bull was by far the seal of the draft, but I don't. He's obviously a steal because he has one of the highest ceilings in the draft, but, but the injuries are something... 
something to have to be very concerning and there's a high chance that Bulbul won't succeed in the NBA. And not only injuries, but can he tap into his potential, especially in the defensive end? And he needs to rev up his motor a little. So for those reasons, I can't call him the steal of the draft because there is a very good chance this guy busts and he's a total waste. But he's well worth the 44th pick, even if he busts. He's worth a late first round pick because the ceiling is just so high. Definitely a steal. All right. For my runner up, I'm going to go Nazir Little. With the 25th pick, the Portland Trailblazers took him. I thought it was an awesome selection. I actually predicted that he would fall out of the lottery, but I did not predict him to go 25th. I thought maybe he would have slid, like, you know, I think. Yeah, I had him going, Laura. I think. No, I had him going ninth to the Wizards, but if he didn't go to the Wizards, there was a good chance he fell. I thought he was going to go to the 15th at the Pistons because they really need. Interesting. They really need a small forward, and he would have helped their defense out. Um, because think about it, they have Reggie Jackson running the one, solid, nothing spectacular. Luke Kennard running the two, underrated, but nothing great. And I don't think that was a good shooting odd that they could have taken with that pick, at least as far as I'm. Concerned. Yeah, I mean, I wait, who? Um, the Trailblazers? Um, no, the, no, the Pistons. Pistons. I thought Kevin Porter Jr., but then again, that would have been a reach. That would have been a bit of a reach. No, here's the thing. A bit of a reach, but yeah. not a huge one. I know he went to a number thirty, but on most big boards, he was like late teens. So yeah. I don't think that was a huge reach, and I think he would be a solid fit. I know he's some off the court issues, but hey, Detroit off the court issues those go together pretty well. So, um, and <laughs> I mean, overall, I just think Kevin um, Kevin Porter wouldn't have been a bad selection there. I thought if Romeo Langford fell to fifteen, they might have selected him. Possibly. I don't know if that would have been a very good pick, yeah. but they're the Detroit Pistons. And again, that's the thing about mock drafts. People are saying, why would you have them picking them? And I'm just like, I don't think they should take them, but I think that's who they're going to take. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. But yeah, fifteen to the Pistons would have made sense for me. They their only hole is real, really small forward. I thought that would have been a good selection. Um, Point guard I, Reggie Jackson's at best average, and he's getting older. True, true. But their only real hole. They're oh, starting yeah. Bruce Brown. Bruce. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um. So my steal of the draft was Nasir Little, uh, and I'm assuming you have Bulbul's to steal yep. the draft. Yeah, so yeah. we just flip flop those again. I think Nasir Little is a bigger steal because Nasir Little is not going to bust. Bulbul, good chance he does. Nasir Little obviously could bust, but here's what I wrote for Nasir Little. Yes, Nasir Little is to steal the draft. The Blazers were very, very high on him, and he will fit very well on the wing. Little is an incredible, versatile versatile defender that can cover positions 2 through 4 and some point guard too. His team defensive skills could get a little better, but nonetheless, Little won't bust because of the fact that he's a really good defender. His offensive game could improve, but you have to remember, although he only averaged 9.8 points per game in college, he only played 18.2 minutes per game. So he did his best in the minutes he was given. Plus, he was trying to fit in with an older group of guys. Nasir Little equals the steal of the draft. And overall, you... Like, per 36 minutes, he was averaging right under 20 points per game. I know that's collegiate-level stats, but that was, he's also coming off the bench. He's, like, their seventh man trying to play with an older group. His offensive skills definitely could improve. He's a better defender than an offensive player, but he's not horrible at offense. Mm. More of a slasher. Yeah, I agree. And for my steal of the draft, um, I just, I'm just going to go with Bobo. And I say that, one, because I am very, very high on Bobo. Um, I think he is going to be a stud. I think he's going to be one of the best players in the draft when it's, of course, all said and done. As long as he, uh, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, as long as he's healthy and he can tap into that potential a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that 
it, when healthy, he will be a top five pick from the draft. I just love everything about him. He's a seven three sharp shooting big who. When, it, when when we're talking about seven three, when we're talking about seven three players or players that are really tall, some of them like Chris Epsporzingis tend not to be a good rebounder. Yeah. Um. But no, this guy's an excellent rebounder for someone, um, like that. Not tall a great and, defender, but he has so much potential. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. He's not a great defender. When you put him on smaller guards, he's slow. He can't keep up. He's kind of awkward on his feet. But yeah. one, he's a great shot blocker. Awesome rim protector. Yep. Um. He can hold his own against uh bigs. He's obviously gonna have to gain some weight because. He is, Skinny. like, scarily, um, Skinny. Like, yeah. when I looked at him, like, there was one guy that just scared me. Like, yeah. you'd think it's Zion, but no, Bulbul just gives me the creeps. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like, he's just, he's just so tall. I don't know. I mean, I'm tall and skinny, but, like, I'm yeah. not that skinny and I'm not that tall. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just, like, freak, like, just, uh. Yeah, it's, like, freakishly, like, ooh, okay. Um. But yeah, uh, I think Bobo is going to be the steal of the draft. Like I said, could he bust? Definitely. I think definitely think there's a high percent chance that he's oh, yeah. injured. That's why I don't think he's the steal Here's of the, the draft. Thing. I don't think he'll bust because he just won't be good. I just think it'll be injuries. Yeah. Because guys that are that tall just tend to There's not- a chance that he busts because he stays pretty healthy, but he just doesn't want to work for it and he can't tap into Who? his potential. Bobo. There's a chance. I'm not saying it will oh, happen. Yeah, I'm I saying highly doubt it. If but we're talking about just skill, if he's gonna bust, then it'll probably be because of injuries. Yeah. Um like he's a, he's a great scorer, awesome shooter. Um he can put the ball on the floor. He's got awesome handles for a guy his size. But like I said, injuries are a big concern. We've seen guys like Ralph Sampson, Yao Ming, even Chris Stapp's Porzingis when he tore his ACL. Like those guys all suffer injuries and they do hurt. Those injuries do add up. Um and they do really tear into a guy's athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um and if you're really that tall, sometimes you're not all that athletic to begin with. I mm-hmm. will somewhat athletic, but injury if injuries just keep like injury if he like keeps getting injured and injured and injured, that's gonna that's gonna cut into his athleticism that like I said, he's athletic, but like not like a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Alright, so now we are going to move over to the biggest reaches. So for my third finalist, it was a close call between many players, but I had to go with forward Darius Baisley, uh the bagel himself, going to Thomas's uh, Thunder at the 23rd pick. I don't mind Baisley, so here's what I wrote. Overall, I do like Baisley's game, but 24 was too high. He's can be a complimentary scorer at the next level and the guy who can pass, rebound, and defend along with it. But he's pretty sing- skinny, so I really wonder how his game will translate. Baisley was a projected mid-second round pick, so 24 is definitely too high. He did go in the G League last year, so it makes it a little bit of a tough read. But at the same time, I, I just think that's too high. Again, I don't mind Baisley's game, but he's skinny. I wonder how it'll translate. And we're talking about reaches here. I'm not saying Baisley's going to bust. I'm just saying that for the 23rd pick, Darius Baisley is a reach. Um, all right. What so do you have for my reach, I am going to go... Um, third finalist right here? Huh, third, like, so, like, this is, like, my third, and then I put one more, and then I put, like, yeah. who I think is the biggest reach. All right, so biggest reach... Oh, this is kind well, of tough. Well, third biggest reach, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to go Matisse Thibel at the 20th spot. No. Here's, here's no, why. Here's why. Here's, no. Hear me out. All right. Hear me out. I'll hear you out. There weren't but... a ton of reaches. There were guys like Lucas Amanich who were picked a little bit high, but I, Matisse Thibel could have been like the 27th, 28th pick, realistically. And you got him at the 20th, and the, and the 76ers made it so, so obvious that they wanted him. 
like, they, the Celtics traded him. Um, they got something good out of that. They traded away the 24th and 33rd pick to get him. I think it was a bit of a reach. I know they really, really wanted him, and that's fine. Like, if you're all about a prospect, like, I'm cool with that. Oh, I like Seibel. I mean, I knew too. But at the 20th spot, like, they traded away their 24th and 33rd pick to get him. That That's one of I the I see where I you're coming from, because uh, there weren't a lot of reaches in this draft. Yeah. And the pick itself, like, if you pick Matisse Seibel at 20, the pick itself, that's not a reach. Yeah. It's the trade. Which made it a little bit of a reach, but still, I can't consider it. I think it's a little bit of a reach. Uh, Not you much. You could have got him at, like... This much. I'd say it's, it's it's about this much of a reach. Here's the thing. Why would you trade him if you have the 24th pick and you probably could have gotten him there? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, they have the 24th pick and the 33rd pick, so they could okay, have wound, so, up, they could have wound well, up with Matisse Thibel. Well, Hold on I need second. to get the NBA draft. Just one more second. Yeah. They could have, um, they could have gotten Matisse Thibel and Carson Edwards, but instead they traded away that pick. Okay, yeah, I do think it was a bit of a reach because of the trade. Again, I think 20 is perfectly uh, a fine spot, but again, the Thunder had the 20 uh, first pick, which they traded to the Grizzlies, but you have to remember the Thunder were really high on Matisse Thibel as well, so I think they would have held on to that pick and kept it and decided to pick Matisse Thibel there at 21. So it makes sense because the Celtics knew that the Thunder were probably going to pick him at 21, and since the Sixers were so high on him, the Sixers were probably willing to give up a good amount. So I do already see where you're coming Coming from maybe a bit of a reach, but I can't consider it top three. I think there were better options. Uh, I, I Salmonich, basically. There weren't a ton of reaches. Not I mean, a ton, but there were. Basically, was going to be right around this spot. He, that's yeah, where he was he on most drafts. He was just latest 27, so he's a little bit. Not much. Um, uh, the second one that I have is a pretty big reach, and I think you'll agree with me on this one. Uh, Lucas Imanich. Right around the right spot, but he he could have potentially fallen in the second round. So I see where you're coming from. He's like tied for. Wait, so you have Lucas Semanich second? Huh? Well, no, no, no. He's not second. Uh, I'm just saying he's kind of like a honorable oh, mention yeah. a little bit. Okay, but so yeah. who do you have at number two? Number two, Chuma. Okay, okay. I, I wait a minute because I'm about to rant on you in a minute. Um, because I have Cameron Johnson at number two, and I bet you have Cameron Johnson at number one. I do. Yeah. Okay, Cameron Johnson. The farthest he goes is number two. And the reason I have someone at number one. Number two? Yeah. No, oh. I have I have Cameron Johnson. The reason I have Cameron Johnson at number two, I'm going to explain when I get to my biggest reach of the draft, and it's not Chumo Okeke. Okay. okay. Okeke, the reason he's not... He's a reach, for sure. Yeah. But the reason I couldn't consider him a reach is because talent-wise... Talent-wise, 16 is a reach, still. But... It's tough to explain. He's a good fit with the magic, and overall, you know, skill wise, oh, excuse me, I just burped. Um, skill wise, he is like an early 20s prospect, which makes him a little bit of a reach. There's the ACL as well. He's expected to go in the early second, but I put Cameron Johnson at number two. Uh, and not the biggest uh, reach of the draft for this reason. I wrote Cam Johnson was definitely a reach, but he wasn't the biggest. Again, I'll explain when I get to the biggest reach of the draft. Cam Johnson was such a reach, his own teammate back at UNC, Kobe White, was shocked to hear the news that his name was called that early. To be fair, Johnson had been climbing up draft boards. We argued about this earlier. He was. Trust me. Again, I told you why earlier on your podcast. I don't know (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. And the guy brings good size and can shoot the lights out. But whether or not his defense will translate is a big question. Also, injuries are something that I have to scare you a lot about, Johnson. Okay. A lot. Here's why I think OKK is the biggest reach. Again, this is... The biggest or second well, not biggest? Not the biggest. Second biggest. 
it's not necessarily due to the pick, because I would say it is a little bit of a reach in terms of the pick. Um, I would say you probably could have gone around the 22nd to 24th pick. But the reason why I'm saying this is a big reach is that the Magic drafted another big man. And he's not a center. He's a power forward. I, I get that. But they don't draft a guard. Oh, yeah, why? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Nikhil Alexander-Walker is on the board. Why wouldn't you take him there? Who's your starting small forward? Who is it? Jonathan Isaac, he's been okay. You could have taken Matisse Thibel there. Yeah, it would have been a reach. But he, I, like, why? You could take Lucas Samanich. Um, I'm surprised they didn't take Golga Badatsi because they love their centers. Mm-hmm. Um, eh, like, there's so many better options. Like, Ty Jerome was a point guard. He was on the board. Um, there are just so many better options. No, I agree. It's super debatable. I wish I put Okeke at three over Baisley yeah. now. But, like, no, seriously. Uh, like, so man, what are they doing? They don't need no. another big. They need a guard. They don't. They don't. They no. got the DJ Augustine and Evan Fournier. They should have taken Nikhil Alexander-Walker, but if they weren't going to take him, trade down. And, and they can't shoot. They, seem, they have no shooters no. on that team. Evan Fournier? Like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. He should take and, 33% from three. <laughs> and he's he their like, best shooter. Who's he? Well, well DJ Augustine, yeah. He's, he's a good Augustine. shooter. But you know, Walker would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. They need shooting. They, I, I, I'm not even, I'm not, I can't get this hot-headed, but... Bad pick for the Magic. Chumo KK may be a solid player coming down the line. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but considering the Magic liked him, I'm not sure I'd bet on that. <laughs> All right, so who's your biggest reach? Because I'm, I'm actually kind of... I don't even know who it is, so go ahead. Jordan Poole. Okay. Okay. Pick 28 by the Golden State Warriors. I wrote, now this may have been a huge reach, but I do understand why the Warriors picked him. He's a great shooter. He may be unathletic, but so is Curry. If you can shoot, the dubs can and will turn you into something. But with that being said, he's still the reach of the draft, even over Cam Johnson, and here's why. Cam was a projected mid-to-late first-rounder, and the Suns had no picks at that time in that range. They did trade for the Ty Jerome pick, and I know it was pretty easy to trade, but to be fair, they didn't have a pick in that range, so if they really liked him, they shouldn't have taken him at 11, but they did. Uh, but they didn't have another pick, so, you know, they could trade for a pick, but that's that's a little easier said than done. I know there was trade galore that day, um, but still. Poole was a projected late second rounder, and the Dubs had the 41st, not only the 41st pick, but the 58th pick. So they could have taken him at 41, and there's a possibility he's still available at 58. I think I had Jordan Poole going 58th in my mock draft to the Warriors. That's that's how I. That's kind of how I feel about it. So now he's going in the first round? Yeah. Okay, that just doesn't make sense. At least Cameron, the Suns pick, which was still a horrible pick, don't get me wrong. I like the Jordan Poole pick more than I like the Cameron Johnson pick. But the thing about Cameron Johnson was the Suns didn't have another pick in the range where he was, you know, projected to go. The Warriors had a, had two. I do understand why the Warriors liked him, but you probably should have picked him at least at, like, 41. All right. So I'm going to get into my little tangent. So you know how you said that Jordan Poole could have been there for Oh, it's a tough call. I even wrote it at the end. It's a no, tough no. call, but I got to go with Poole. I know what you mean. But you know, you know how you said that Jordan Poole could have been available at 58? Yes. That's how I feel about the Suns, and I'm going to explain why. Wait, with Cameron Johnson, he with could have Cam been available at 58? No, 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 no. Okay. He could have, the Suns had picked 32. And he could have been, I'm not saying he could have, I'm saying he could have been available there. But no, they traded TJ Warren in that 32nd pick for straight cash, which is already a bad deal, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about the biggest reach. Cam Johnson at 11 was absolutely horrific. They needed a point guard. They had the sixth pick. 
and they traded it away for the 11th and Dario Sarge. I like Dario Sarge. The Dario Aiton backcourt, maybe the worst defensive back front uh, front court backcourt, whatever it is mm-hmm. in NBA history. Nah, that's yeah. a reach, but okay. still they're horrible. Oh, All right, just keep going. Yeah. They could have taken a point guard. They had Darius, Darius Garland wouldn't have been available because he was taken by the Cavs. But they could have taken Kobe White, which would have been fine. That could have been that could. No, I don't know if no. that necessarily would have been. I, a good it would have been a good fit. No, I know that would have been no. a good fit. But because he, here's the thing. Here's the thing. All right, you sit there. Defensively, Kobe White. I mean, given Darius Garland wouldn't be good defensively either. But defensively, Devin Booker and Dar- Kobe White, no thanks. Playmaking, Devin Booker and Kobe White, no thanks. That gives you no. That gives you just a ton of scoring. It gives you no defense, no playmaking. All of that. And now it's like you have too much scoring. Yeah. Here's here's the thing, though. With that, at least, Devin Booker put up seven assists a game last year with little to no talent on the on one of the teams with one of the worst records in the Who, NBA. Devin Booker. Devin Booker. He put up seven assists a game and 27. And I get it. He's, he, does, he had a high usage rate. He had lots of turnovers, blah, blah, blah. He still could have done a pretty good job uh, playmaking the ball. And Kobe White's not bad. He, he did average four assists, which is solid at the college level. But here's the thing. You could have taken a point guard at Kobe White. And I understand, probably not a good fit, but he's still a point guard, which you need. And they also could have taken Cam Johnson at the 32nd pick, possibly. And even if he's not there, I'm sure there's another guy. Yeah, there's a better option. Like, I understand. I'm sorry, Cameron Johnson wouldn't have been available at 32. Is there a chance? Of course. But there were there would have been better options. I understand where you're coming from. I mean, it's just super debatable, but I got to go with Jordan Poole. And even if and even if um Cam Johnson falls, maybe you got the Kelvin, Kelvin Johnson's there. Maybe that change, maybe that one thing tr- uh, changes the whole draft, and you get someone yeah. that maybe was projected to, to be in the first round, and now is in the second round. So you could have kept T.J. Warren, you could have got the point guard that you needed, and you could have gotten Cameron Johnson. But if not, you could have got someone a little bit worse, yeah. which isn't bad. Cameron Johnson, fine player. Like, I'll take Casey Akpal over Cam Johnson just because I love Casey Akpal. Like, exactly. That's just biased because of me because I love Casey Akpal. But yeah, and another thing. Cam Johnson is seven months older than Devin Booker. Devin Booker's been. Is, is this Devin Booker's? He'll help year? you. Yeah, Cameron Johnson will help you right away, but that's. Then you don't need that. You need a guy who's going to help you in the future. A guy who can develop, like DeAndre Ayton. He's going to. He's kind of helping them now, and he's going to help them tremendously in the future because he could put up twenty-five and twelve. Cameron Johnson, his peak could be like ten points per game. You realize this, right? Mm-hmm. He's not going to be anything good. And to yeah. pick him at eleven over guys like Nazir Little and Bull Bull and Brandon Clark is absolute blasphemy. I'm sorry. Uh, it's blasphemous to think yeah. that... And they needed... Interesting. Power, who's their power forward? Who? Is their power forward right power forward? Oh, it's Kelly Ubrex, small forward. TJ Warren, small forward. And Dario Saric. Dario Saric? <laughs> you don't think they could have used Brandon They Clark just there? have too many unproven wings. Uh, they don't oh, need... Moya. He was a guy that could have been the boomer bust, and they need him like that. They, their team stinks. They are horrible. I'm sorry. I just went off right there, but, oh. Blasphemy. That was blasphemy. All right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. It, it was horrible, but I got to still go with Jordan Poole because the Warriors had picks in that area where he would still be available. So, now we are going to get you. to the biggest bust of the NBA draft. All right, so here, Thomas, I believe you have three finals. I only did two because I even wrote here, when it comes to analyzing the NBA, picking players to quote-unquote bust is probably the hardest part yeah. for me. So I went out on a limb here, and I also only chose two players. So it was pretty bold. Like, my 
player to bust is pretty bold to kind of make up for it. But me for me to just pick bust, I just see a, like a lot of potential in these young guys. So you, you can go with your third I think finalist. We kind of, I think we, the third finalist. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think we kind of agree on the same bust because we were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Um, so it might be a little bit similar. All right. So this is kind of tough. This is actually really tough. But for my third finalist. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go Kobe White. There is a there is a chance that he busts. He is a he's a good scorer, but what else can he really do? He's not a terrific player. Certainly could improve, but he's not terrific. Uh, he's not very efficient. He's not the best defender. He's not really a good rebounder. So and who knows how good he will be at scoring at the NBA level? Yeah. So I, he, I don't know if he'll be. He he could be completely horrible, or it could be something that's just not like a solid player. Like I don't know if he'll be a complete bust, just like out of the league in four years, like not good, like I'm just like four points. But no, I, but I just don't know. I don't know how terrific he will be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I see Evan, your point. For Evan Turner, kind of, but like Evan Turner is a solid NBA player. Like oh, okay. ish, ish. But he was drafted second. Yeah. Kobe White was drafted second. So that's why I'm saying he's third and not like. All right. My finalist here, uh, well, my first and last finalist before my uh, bust was shooting guard Romeo Langford, pick 14 by my Boston Celtics. Uh, and I wrote, I'm a Celtics fan, and I'm really not a big fan of this pick. If I had to pick three busts coming into the draft, Langford was one of them. And just because he, he's on my team doesn't mean that's going to change. Yeah. <laughs> Lately, everything has gone wrong for the Celtics, so this fits. He has potential to bring good scoring package, a good scoring package, but it will be hard for him to find minutes since we're already loaded with players on the wing. And you laughed when I said, um, when I said this. If I had three busts coming into the draft, Langford was one of them. And just because he's on my team doesn't mean that's going to change. You laughed. That's real. In Boston. Yeah, I know. In, in Boston. Some of you like, oh, Romeo Langford's going to bust. When we make the pick, all, all cheers. He's he's going to be a top five player. That's what it's going to be. That's all it is in Boston. All optimism. All optimism. Just because he's on the Celtics, now it doesn't all of a sudden mean, oh, you know what? I think he's I think he's going to be the star of the draft. Let me get Romeo Langford jersey. Yeah, that's not, it's, no, it's not happening for me. I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm sick of that, too. Uh, so, my uh, who's your second finalist? My second finalist is Romeo. Okay. I think that... Romeo Langford was is just like if you look at the scouting court, there's nothing that he's good at. Like besides he's, slashing, he's a, good, he's a pretty good slasher and a good finisher. Yeah, that's the pros. And good for you, Romeo. And he has potential to be a good three point shooter if the Celtics can fix that, and he can fix his ligaments in his thumb. Like if he can get back to where he was in high school, he'd be a not great but solid three point shooter. But 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 here's the thing: one, just because there's potential. Doesn't mean... Yeah, I never said it. He was going to hit Jonathan that. Isaac has potential. Markel Fultz has potential. Josh no, Jackson I never, has potential. No, did I, did I just say that, yeah, he will be a good three-point no, shooter? No, I'm just I saying said general. he has potential yeah. to be because if he fixed the ligaments and the Celtics work with them a little, that will be fine. Even Brad Stevens yeah. said he if there's one area of his game he needs to work on, it's three-point shooting, which debatable is defense and all that, and but yeah. it drives to succeed. Well, let's not focus on shooting. Just Let's focus on everything else. He's not a good defender. Not only is he just not good, he doesn't really try. He doesn't really give effort. Not also, he's not like a good rebounder. He's not really a good hustle guy. Like he, he'll sometimes coast during games. He doesn't really. There'll be points in the game where you're like, "What is he doing? He's not. Even, he's not even trying. Really, he's not a good playmaker. It's not like uh, he hogs. He hogs the ball. I'm sorry. He doesn't like to pass. Um, and when he does pass, he's not good at it. Um. And 
like I said, not a good shooter, but I'm not going to get into that too much. And his shot IQ is horrendous. He will hoist up 30-foot shots when they don't go in. He, he, his shot selection is so bad. His shot IQ. Yeah, it's, oh it's horrible. My I'm, I'm done with him oh already. I'll give him a little bit of a chance, but if he goes out there in the first 30 games, oh. it does not look that good. I'm going to say, yep, I knew it. and I Because I already think he's going to bust. So. Me too. Yeah. All right, and my biggest bust of the draft, gotta go with Jarrett Culver, yes, shooting guard, you. pick six of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's go. I wrote, I know, a little bold, but when you look at it, at least one player will bust from the top six. I doubt it will be Zion, Ja, or RJ, and there's Hunter, who has such a high floor, so it really goes down to Garland and Culver, and I'll take Culver. It may be hard to see Culver busting, but I have that feeling. Yep. He's a very streaky shooter, and that's about it. But I feel his lack of athleticism will catch up to him at a pro at the pro level, especially on the defensive end. I wanted to pick something bold, so I went with Culver. I have always said Culver. I don't. If you follow me on my Instagram page, the tip off made a post the other day said that Jared Culver will be the biggest boss from the draft, most overrated player. Here's oh, the thing. Yeah. And a lot of people got mad at me because I said some things that maybe aren't true. But one, he's not athletic, which is fine. Some players that. Um, some players really succeed in the NBA. They're unathletic. For example, Steph Curry. Um, but some of them fail because of their athleticism, and I think Jared Culver. Exactly. And, like, I just don't think that I, – I just uh, – just, to me, Jared Culver is, like – like, he has a good, solid – all I'm not he's saying not here's nothing. I'm not guaranteeing he'll bust. There's definitely a good chance. No, the, there's no guarantee that he busts. Never. There's no guarantee that anyone in this draft is. There's good. no guarantee that anyone will be the best player. For all we know, an undrafted player could be the best. We don't know, but there's obviously no guarantees. And but a lot of people are really high think, on Culver. Yeah, like you real like there are a lot of people that seriously think his versatility. Like I am not. I've always. I've never been. Uh, he's, he's really not athletic. His defense is so overrated. Like, a ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It's so, it really is. Yeah, he's, he's a good defender. Don't get me wrong. But Some people are saying really, he's going to yeah. be the best two-way player from this draft. Yeah, they're saying he's, he's so just, good two-way. Oh, no, no, crazy. no. He's not even that athletic. Zion's going to be the best two-way player from this draft. Yeah. Well, that's what I, I mean, who knows? But that's what I think. Um... Zion's a terrific defender. And some, to say that Jared Culver is the best two-way player, or even defensive player. It's disrespectful. It's disrespect. I know. Zion's the better defensive player. Deandre Brandon Clark. Hunter, Brandon Clark. Uh, no, Demboya. I was going to say Ruby Hutchinson Europe, but that just wouldn't be accurate. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, he, just, he seems like a good defender, but he's not. Um, but yeah, no, I, just, not. I, don't, I don't love Jared Culver's game. And a lot of people are saying he reminds me of Jimmy Butler. No. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see it. Like Jimmy Butler is athletic. Jimmy Butler is a score. Like Jimmy Butler is a solid playmaker, solid rebounder. But I don't see Jared Culver being that in the NBA. I'm so I don't see him being anything. I don't see him being anything in the NBA. I'm sorry. He could be. Prove me wrong. I if you prove me wrong, good for you. But yeah, you like ugh, just. All right, so for the biggest risks, my third – I also want to throw out there, I like how on your podcast I talked more than you, yeah. but on this you've talked more than me. Yeah, go check that out because I felt like – I don't know. I felt like I, I – it it's really weird how – Yeah. I, I mean, I don't care, but, yeah. I mean, that's just kind of weird now yeah. I think about it. Like, you've talked more in here and I've talked more in yours. But, anyway, uh, I guess for the guests. Yeah, so. it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me, but I just realized it was kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. Biggest risks, my third finalist here is Chuma Okeke. Center, uh, pick 16 for the Orlando Magic. Uh, and I wrote, this was definitely a risk. Going into the season, Okeke was a lottery pick in 
in the eyes of many, but due to the fact that his non-flashy play style made him slide under the radar and his ACL injury killed his draft stock, but the Magic still took the risk. It's a big risk for a franchise like the Magic with a lot of holes to fill and to be picking a center when they already have Baba. I know you may think he's a bust, but it's early. And Vucevic could return, plus Okeke is done for a while. This is a big risk because, again, this is high, it's a reach, and he's hurt, and the fact that you already have Bob, you already have way too many big men. You yeah. just talked about this earlier. Please, pick a guard, pick a wing, pick somebody, and I know there weren't really any guards available at that pick, but trade down, or take a wing. Nikhil Alexander-Walker was a guard-slash-wing, but Ty Jerome, was Ty Jerome, I think that would have been a little early for him, but still, I'd rather have him than Chuma, just for the fact that he's not a need. I think Chuma Okeke's a solid fit, but you have the ACL injury, the fact that you don't need another big man, and I get it, I don't think you don't need one. I think there are just bigger needs. I know you might think Bomba's a bust and Vucevic could leave, which then opens up a hole. But, I mean, still, I just think Bomba hasn't busted just yet. Give him more time, and there's a good chance Vucevic returns anyway. Before I say mine, I just want to ask, is Bobol on yours? Because he's not on mine. Uh, for biggest risk? Yeah. No, no okay, way. Yeah, he would be. Round. He would be. But if, if you're was... if you're a second round pick, yeah, you're not. A, you're not a risk. Yeah. Okay. And Bobo would be like if he was picked like twenty or something, definitely. But the fact that he slid down to forty four makes him more of a steal than a risk. All right. Uh, biggest risk. These these are so hard to judge. This, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, for biggest uh for biggest risk. Well, uh, third, third finalist. Yeah. Yeah. Third, I'm going to go Rui Hachimura. Ooh, I got him somewhere else because. Um, well, the, the thing with him is, he's not really good at, like, like, he's a good scorer, and he's a pretty solid rebounder, but he's not a great defender, and especially for a big, that might, that might hurt, and there are a lot of non-defensive bigs that really fail mm-hmm. in the NBA. Um, Jaheel Okafor? Jaheel Okafor, I mean, he was a true center, but still, power forwards really can't defend, like, Kevin Love really can't defend, obviously that doesn't help him, but a lot of people hate on him for that. Um, but yeah, I just, I think it's a risk, especially because taking him at number nine, you didn't really like sit down, have a good conversation or with have him. work out. Yeah. Have which work I out. took into account way more than you have. Exactly. Um, and I think, I think Ruby's going to be a solid player, but it is a risk considering you took him at number nine, which yes. not a huge, like, well, like, um, what's the word? I thought he was going to get picked somewhere around the 11 to 12 range and he went number nine. I just think it's it's a bit of a risk considering you don't even really know the guy that well, and yeah. who knows how good he's going to be at the NBA level with no defense, not not much of a jump shot, and just uh-uh. yeah, you never know. Uh, for my second finalist, I put forward Saku Deboya, fifteenth pick to the Pistons, and I wrote Deboya was a huge risk going into the draft night, and everyone knew it. He was regarded as a top ten pr- prospect and did slide down to fifteen, which is why I would probably have Deboya as the biggest risk of the draft, because at prospect-wise, he's the biggest risk. Huge hit-or-miss guy, but for the fact that he slid down to 15, uh, put him at second instead of first for me, and I uh, continued by writing, but the Pistons needed wing players and a point guard to help them win, and instead they took another front court player that will take a few years to develop. There is a very good chance Dubois never plays a game at the NBA level, but there's also a chance he develops properly and could be a future all-star in the next Pascal Siakam, or even as high as Jan Santo de Cupo, if he's really, really, really develops well, although that is very unlikely. Yeah. Oh, this is so tough. Like, risks are actually, they're not, there's a difference between risks and busts. Like, you know what I'm Definitely. saying? Definitely. Like, yeah. oh, but this, this is really hard. 
I want to say Jackson Hayes because really, I, I, I want to say no. Him. I'm not saying no. Him. I'm saying I want to say him. You can't. You can't. If you're gonna put Jackson Hayes, put him at three, and even that's kind of absurd. No, Jackson Hayes was picked in the right spot. He is a risk because I, all right, I get where you're saying. But number two is way too high. And even number three, I debate. But no, not number two. But this may be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to go Darius Garland. Okay. And I, can un- I can see that. Here's why. One, injury. He did have an injury at Vanderbilt. I think mm-hmm. he, I don't think that will affect him, but I'm saying it could. Two, now you have a backcourt with two score first, shoot first point guards. Yes. Who really knows how well that's going to work out? And then if you eventually, if it doesn't work out and you eventually have to trade one of those assets, then you just wasted a pick. You could have taken a guy like Culver, who I think will be a boss. We, we have no idea. Yeah. Um, You could have taken a guy like him there, and then you could have had a solid backcourt. Because then if you add Sexton and um, Culver... Then you get the playmaking from Culver. The versatility. You get the, the versatility. size from yeah. Culver. You get the Culver. And you get the scoring. Better the defensive shooting. backcourt. Yeah, the shooting, the scoring, the explosiveness from Colin Sexton. And like I said, if it doesn't work out, you're going to have to trade one of those. And that's going to that's gonna hurt. You're going to be like, oh, man, why did we draft? Plus, you can play Culver play- at small forward. And you have Kevin Porter and Jordan Clarkson. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And you drafted Kevin, and you drafted Kevin Porter. And you've drafted Jordan Clarkson. Now all of a sudden you have three score first, shoot first guards. No, not three, four. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson, Kevin Porter, Colin Sexton. Yeah, and, and you're, if you're counting Garland, like this one ball, this this is not enough <laughs> ball to go around. Um, it's just too similar. It's their backcourt, all similar play styles. I'm sorry, it's way yeah. too similar. Uh, I, I just think they don't. I understand they, that. Yeah, they didn't I, I, I think you. I that. think he was like my honorable mention. Yeah. Uh, and at number, uh, my risk of the draft is Rui Hachimura at power forward. Okay. Pick nine to the Wizards. Uh, you obviously, I value uh, the Wizards not knowing him at all way more than you did. Uh, I had him over Domboya just because uh, Domboya did slide a little bit in the draft. And I think number 15, he's kind of worth the risk-reward. Uh, Rui Hachibara, he's a risk. He's not really a risky player. Like, he he brings – his prospect-wise, he's a bit of a risk. But the biggest fact is that the Wizards didn't really know him, and they don't know how he's going to fit. I wrote, this pick was not only risky because no one really knows how Hachimara will fit with the Wizards system, but also the fact that the Wizards never worked out with him, and Hachimara only talked to him once quickly after a Gonzaga game. That's probably just like, hey, we're a wizard scout, or, uh, yeah, wizard scout, he had a nice game. Something like that. Like, do you count that as, you know, talking to you? You know, maybe you're on a radar a little, like, I don't know what the, you know, it doesn't mean anything. That game could have been months ago. Yeah. And I also wrote, Hachimara even said, I didn't even know they knew my name. That's crazy. Okay. So- For a franchise like that, the Wizards need to nail picks like that. That's a big risk to be taking. And I know it's a risk... Yeah, here's the thing. You say, Aiden, that's a home run thing. Try to do the risk-reward. A franchise like that needs to nail the pick. Yeah, or, you know, here's the thing about Hachimara. That's not the risk-reward I'm talking about. You made that risky by not knowing him. It's not that he's like a risk-reward player like Siku Domboya or Cam Reddish. It's just that the fact that he's risky because, well, you didn't talk to him, didn't work out with him, and in the end, you really don't know how he's going to fit with your organization and system. What were you going to say? Uh, for my number one? Yeah. Okay, this is tough. I don't want to You gotta go with Dumboya, because if you... Dumboya's in the top three. If he's not two, he's one. So for you not to have him there He's not in there, because he was... he One, he fell out of the lottery. Okay, but by one pick. 
True. This is true. And the Pistons need not only a point guard for the future, but they need wingers, too. I couldn't put him at one over Darius Garland and Ruby Hachimura because that wouldn't make sense. And I wanted to do someone inside the big three, but it just doesn't make sense. I don't think any of them will be bust. So then just slide Seku Dumboya as your third option, I'd say. But that's not what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to go with DeAndre Hunter. And no, you didn't. Zip it. No, I get it, the trade, but no, you can't do that. Zip you it. can't do that. No, you can't. I no. Can't. And watch Oh, me. my God. Ready? I love DeAndre Hunter, and I will be the first person to tell you that outside of the big three, he is the best prospect in the draft. And I get that. But listen, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Okay. Listen, that is a, you have the eighth, the 10th, and the 17th. Okay. You traded the eighth, the 17th, a second, and a future first. You didn't, if DeAndre Hunter isn't good, Obviously, you have Cam Reddish, but it is a risk trading away all of those, all of those draft picks. Yeah, but you keep Ken and you DeAndre Hunter. The reason I see where you're coming from, but DeAndre Hunter's floor is so high. I get it because the trade's risky, and just because we think his floor is high, maybe he ends up busting in the NBA. We just never know. And I get it; they gave up a lot for him, but I can't consider him one of the top three. I see your point, but I, you know, maybe I, I get the point with the trade. But I would say I guess he's two then, if and put Darius Garland at one. Because even two, like I, I just think that it, that's a risk if you're giving up that much assets to move up two picks. No, two picks. Uh, well, uh, right. f- no, no, six. Yeah, six picks. Well, no, well, from eight to four, it's four. Yeah, I thought it was ten. I, I just, it, it's a risk if you're giving up that many assets. I'm sorry, it it it, it is a risk. It, like, think about it. Was it kind of a risk to trade up for Luka Doncic last year trading? Um, like the fifth pick and a future first. Was it a risk to trade up two spots to get Luca? I mean, obviously we can't say that now, but then it was. It was a little, yeah. Yeah. So I think DeAndre Hunter is is a safe pick, but that's again, I think he could be really bad. Yeah. His three point shooting may not translate. His defense may not translate. We Which we know. doubt. But but if you trade up, and what if Jackson Hayes becomes an important part of their team? What if Nikhil Alexander Walker becomes like a sh- sharp shooting guy, and then DeAndre Hunter is just a role player, which is... Obviously, the odds of that happening aren't good, but, yeah, there's a possibility, but I don't think you can live off the slim possibility. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it was a little bit of a risk to trade... It definitely was, but I wouldn't consider it tough. To trade three first-round picks to move up six spots. Well, four. Oh. Oh, yeah. Four. Yeah, but Yeah, but you kept the 10th pick at the same time. This is true. I will give them credit for that. And they drafted Cam Reddish, so I will will, will give them credit where credit is due. All right, so the best trade in the draft. These were hard because I think there were a lot of good options here. The Pacers made a good move, but at the end of the day, I had to go with the Pelicans. The Pelicans received the 8th pick, which was Jackson A's. The 17th pick was Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The 35th pick, which is Marcos Luzada Silva out of Brazil. Um, overseas player, and a 2020 protected first-round pick from Cleveland. And they only gave up the fourth pick, which is DeAndre Hunter, 57th pick, which is Jordan Brown, a future second-round pick, and Solomon Hill, which is actually a good thing because his contract's horrible. So, to me, that was that was the best trade. Um, I just think it was probably the biggest trade on draft day as well, so for that to be such a big win, you can argue that the Nuggets made the best trade getting Bobo, or the Pacers made the best trade getting TJ Warren in the 32nd pick and only having to give up cash considerations, but this was just such a big trade, and I think the Pelicans really hit on it. 
You're the picked. Nuggets trading for Bull Bull. And the reason I say that is because I'm very, very high on Bull Bull. I think he is a future star. And I could be very it's so hard to It's yeah. so hard to it's tell. It's so hard. But if we're looking at pure talent. Pure talent is top five. beast. If injuries didn't exist, if you if, if Bobo was indestructible, he'd be a top five pick of the draft. No that's doubt. The, that's the thing. So that's why I think that that was the best trade. Little risk, high reward. And the Nuggets yes. are already good. And what they're doing is smart. They took two risks. They took Michael Porter Jr., and Bull Bull. So what if they have a starting lineup next season that looks like Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Michael Porter, Bull Bull, Nikola Jokic? Because Bull Bull can play the four, and he is the center, but I don't think he'll actually play the center. I think it'll be a situation like Chris Epps, Porzingis. Chris Epps, Porzingis, he's 7'3". He's taller than every guy on the court most of the time, unless he's going up against yeah. Bobon. But he plays power forward because of his inability to rebound. And Bull Bull so good rebounder. Yeah. True, but that was against college where guys aren't yeah. as tall. And he didn't he played nine games. So like like I said, little risk, high reward. The Nuggets are building a young a great I don't want to say young dynasty because I would disagree. I just don't know how the Nuggets will do in the future. But they are building a great young team. They've got Gary Harris, they've got Jamal Murray, they've got Nikola Jokic, they've got um Tory Craig, who I I, I kind of like. Yeah, um, they have Malik Beasley. They have Rebecca Point. Uh, Monte Morris. Monte Morris. They have so many good young assets, and they're building a great core. And oh. adding Michael Porter Jr. and Bo Bo to that mix, whew, that's crazy. And well, yeah, it's well worth it because not only are you giving up a future second and a little bit of cash for a guy with a top five ceiling in the draft, you're giving up little. For a guy who could end up being an all-star. And you add the fact that they're already good. So it's not like, you know. The only reason I'm not giving the Pelicans number one number one is because of how good I think DeAndre Hunter will be. That's yeah, I think DeAndre Hunter will be good at the but same I also time. Think, but uh, at the same time, right. I think the Jackson Hayes will be good. Yeah. And I think the Nikhil Alexander will Walker will be good. I just think the trade generals too good. And Bobo, that was a close second. And I'd say yeah. the Pacers trade was third. And for the worst trade, I had the Heat. They gave up a future second round pick and cash considerations. Uh, and, well, they received a future second round pick and cash considerations for Bobo. I wrote this was one very, very hard choice and very debatable. I had to, I hate to choose the Heat because there are a lot of teams that passed on Bobo, but seriously. Bobo is a talent you would never get in the second round, although there's a great chance he busts. His upside is too high to give up on for that cheap. You'll never find a guy with that much upside in the second round. You gave him up for another second rounder and a little bit of cash. This was a tough call, but I had to go with this trade for the Heat. And again, I hate to do it because so many teams just passed on him for the Heat just to take him is, you know, good enough, I guess, because no one else took him. But that trade itself, the second rounder that you gave up for Bobo, could be better than Bobo, but you're not going to get a guy with that high of a ceiling in the second round, ever. Yeah. That is just so rare. And I know, you know, you see Jokic, but at the time of the draft, it's so rare to find a guy like Bobo with that high of a ceiling. Yeah, I see what you mean. And, yeah. All right, so what was your worst trade of the draft? Mine is an easy choice, and I'm going to go the Suns. When they traded the sixth pick 
for Dario Sarge and the 11th. No, the trade itself was not bad. That's why I disagree. The pick 11th is bad, okay? Cameron Johnson picked 11th, but when you look at that on paper, the 6th pick for Dario Sarge in the 11th, who won the Timberwolves by a little, but that's not the worst trade. The pick itself, Cameron Johnson, was bad, but the trade itself, the 6th pick for Dario Sarge in the 11th, if isn't a horrible you trade. are going to trade down, when you need a point guard and a good point guard's on the board, and if you're yes, but Darius Garland was picked at five, and I think they had a clue that that was happening. That's why they traded down. And Kobe White would not be a good fit. That would not be a good fit. That would. Just, I know you're desperate for a point guard, but you can't be that desperate just to take a guy that's not a good fit. I just don't. But I just believe that they like. I don't. I didn't love the trade itself because. The trade I, itself, the Timberwolves won, but that's not the worst trade. I just, uh, I, I don't, I didn't like it, man. And not even just the, like, I, I, actually, I'm gonna switch the Phoenix, the Suns trade. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch it to the TJ Warren. Yeah, that was that was, that was horrible. TJ Warren, 19 point per game score and the 32nd pick, who you maybe could have taken with your 11th pick. Uh, you <laughs> taken the same guy, possibly. maybe, possibly. For cash. For cash. And and. I better be a lot of cash. Yeah. And you just think, oh, we're clearing up cap space for who? Yeah, he's, Russell, a... he's not going. Let's be honest. He's not going to mm. Phoenix. Yeah, I, I bet you know who I bet's in front of him in terms of free agency. Brooklyn, the Timberwolves, the Pacers, the Celtics. the Celtics. Literally, there's so many teams that I'm sure he'd rather go to than the Phoenix. Phoenix. Oh, what just? Yeah, they're never going to need to free up cap space for free agents. Yeah, it's not like Phoenix is a hot free agency destination. Like yeah. Arizona. All right, so that is kind of our uh, whole biggest steal, reach, bust, risk, and best and worst trade of the NBA draft. Hope you guys enjoyed. Now, to quickly end up the episode, I'm going to ask you, as a Thunder fan, how did you feel about your draft? Eh. So, eh. Darius Bagel, I didn't like the pick of the time. It's grown on me a little bit. A little bit. Not much. I, I definitely think there were better options. I... Why wouldn't they take Brandon Clark? Why'd they have to trade down? Brandon Clark, here's the thing about that, though. He brings you defense, which you needed a little bit of, no. but no. you needed a little bit. No, you, you need needed, offense. yeah, you need more offensive defense. And he, I think you could use a little bit more defense, though. Don't get me wrong, it's still yeah. good. We're still but, we're top. Five yeah, but here's defense. the thing about Brandon Clark. He doesn't help you offensively yeah. a lot, and he adds to your horrible shooting lineup, besides yeah. outside of Paul George. You have no shooting. Um, I would have loved to see them trade up to get a guy like Tyler Hero, personally. Um, a shooting guard, which is exactly what we need. He's a sweet shooter. Or even, if you don't want to trade that high, trade up to like the 17th pick. You could have Take Nikhil out. Yeah, exactly. Um, I just think that taking uh, Darius Bagel just wasn't the best choice. And I know I call him Darius Bagel, even though his name's Darius um, Baisley. But I just, I just don't think... I didn't think the Thunder did a terrific job in the draft, but I think Darius um, basically will be something solid, but we'll have to wait and see. He's super athletic. Um, he can do it all, but I just don't know like how good he will be at the NBA level, if you feel like. Plus, he didn't play in college. He played in the G League. So, you, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. All right, so. That's out of your only pick. I believe so. I don't think we had a second round pick. Oh, yeah. Um. All right, so we had a few picks plus. So, stuff. what do you what, what do you think? Of All right, so first of all, I already told you about the Romeo Lankford trade. Uh, we pick, won't go over that I hated. Much, yeah, I hated that. Pick. Hated it. Yeah, 
And the Grant Williams pick at very first, I did not like it. Uh, I, I didn't really like it a lot. And I wasn't as mad as I was for Romeo Langford because I liked the pick a little more itself at the time. And it was a lower pick, so it made you know, it was a little less pressure. But the more I've thought about it, it wasn't a horrible pick. It's a little bit of a reach for sure. But, you know... I think it's an all right pick. I think we could have done a little better with a few of these guys. I was hoping, uh, you know, Brand Clark would fall to us, but he didn't. So instead, we uh, settled for Grant Williams. I think it's a bit of reach again, but not bad. Then Carson Edwards and Tremont Waters. I'm all right with, again, I'm not the biggest believer in Carson Edwards. I just think he's too small. Um, He's more of that, like, guy that, you know, fiends off players in college. And, you know, when he comes to the pro level, I think he'll be a solid scorer. But what else? He's undersized. He's not a good defender. Uh, he's a, not a good playmaker. So, really, all he can do is really score. And he's so undersized, I don't know how well he'll be able to score either. In the NBA, though, there are a lot of point guards who can't, who aren't great playmakers. But aren't that is scared. true. But there, he's not a good defender either. This is true. And he's undersized, so that may hurt his score. I'm not saying he's going to be like any of these players, but there are guys that aren't, that are not good Damian players. Lillard isn't a good defender or playmaker either. Kevin I see Walker. what you're coming. Yeah. Kevin Walker. Uh, that are really only scores. I De- guess I see. Devin Booker kind of. Carson Edwards is smaller than the ball, though, too. I, I don't know. And Carson Edwards, let's be honest, coming out of college, Damian Lillard, Kemba Walker's top prospects. Carson Edwards, second round pick. Yeah. He's kind of like Trey Young, but without the playmaking. Yes, Trey. Trey. I've heard. I hate those people who said, "Well, if the Hawks land the second pick, they should take John Morant and move Trey Young over to the two. I hated that because yeah. I hated that because um, not not only people were saying it like John Morant's a better playmaker than Trey Young, but Trey Young's still one of the best playmakers in the league. That's debate. That honestly, That's, that may be a little bit debatable. But I still think it's John Morant. Yeah, but still, and then between Tremont Waters and Carson Edwards. I was all right with it. I do like, you know, you're taking two undersized point guards. I guess I'm just hoping that one of them works out. I think that was Danny Ainge taking two um, smaller point guards in college, but two point guards that still succeeded in college and just hoping one of them can translate and be a solid pro. Which do you think will be better at when it's all said and done? Carson Edwards or Tremont Waters? Yes. Uh, I'll go Carson Edwards. And which do you think will be the best overall prospect? That I pick, that we pick? Yes. Grant Williams. Nice. All right, that's what I think. That was a good episode, I think. Yeah. Uh, Lately, I've just been grinding for you guys. Jeez. Uh, All my episodes of late, I think in the past, like, six or seven episodes, I've had episodes all over, like, 43 minutes, 42 minutes, uh, except for, like, one 33-minute episode. You can ask Thomas, Thomas, how many episodes do you do a week? I do two. Two. So, I mean, you understand how hard it is to just keep grinding those. So, I'd really appreciate it. He does 40-minute episodes every day. I do, like, 30-minute episodes, except for today, I mean, twice a week. Yeah, I this like doing friend. this for you guys, but I'd really appreciate it if we could keep growing. Uh, we're growing. You know, we're definitely getting more listens, more and more listens, but I really appreciate it if you guys just kept listening, you know, shared this with your friends, because you know, I'm just grinding. I do a lot of research for these. Uh, if you guys could also go support The Tip-Off, go listen to him, go follow his Instagram at The Tip-Off. Uh, also go follow my Instagram at After the Buzz Sports Talk, all lowercase, no spaces. Colin on the Anchor mobile app or on Safari. You can look up uh, After the Buzzer Sports Talk by Aiden Mayer and you can send a voice message that way. So yeah, I'd really appreciate the support, guys. Thank you guys for listening and I hope to see you next time.